Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Want to make sure you never miss a Chilling Tales for Dark Nights video again? Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to turn on notifications. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with two audio adaptations of frightening fiction about warped wishes and sinful survival. I'm your host, Steve Taylor, and tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Raz T. Slasher and Scare in the Box are new voice talents, Ken Sampsell and Justin Reynolds. Now, get your ticket ready. Take your seat in our Theater of the Minds. And brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale this evening is written by Raz T. Slasher and is performed by Ken Sampsell. Certain religions and generations blame video games for the violence in the world. 
Things didn't seem to be so bad when every game didn't consist of killing, shooting, and the like. That's what people say anyway, don't come for me. But actually, this tale serves to prove them right, but not in the way expected. So on that note, without further ado, I present to you The Real Pinball Wizard. Eight months ago, my life changed forever. I couldn't tell you what the weather was like that day, what I had for breakfast, or even the first song I heard on the radio before I left the house. In fact, I can't honestly remember any details of that day before I found a quiet little arcade downtown that I'd somehow never noticed before. I can't even remember the name of it. On a whim, I ducked into the place and had a look around. At first glance, it looked like a normal arcade. A moment frozen in time with the ability to transport you back to the gaming days of yore. I spent a lot of times in arcades back in the early 80s with my dad. It was about the only passion we shared together and one of the only safe activities we can truly enjoy given my condition. I suffer from something called cranial dysplasia. I'm not going to waste your time or mine doing a deep dive into what it is. You have the internet just like I do. Basically, I'm way shorter than everyone I know. My bones are brittle, my spine is all messed up, and I've had dentures from an early age. I don't mean to be crass or offend anyone else with the disease. I'm just sick to death of having to explain it to people, so I've learned to stick it to the highlights. I'd say my biggest obsession at the arcades were the pinball machines. I'd spend hours in front of them every day after school studying patterns and perfecting the perfect angle on the ball from the flippers that would hit the shoots I needed for the best possible score. Once I mastered the machines at one arcade, Dad would find us another and we'd start all over again. Some combination of the lights, the music, and the geometry entranced me. There are times I'd start playing and just completely space out until I ran out of quarters, or it was time to go home. Even after Dad passed, I kept up the hobby. Partially to always stay close to him in some odd way, but mostly because no matter what changed in my life, Pinball machines stayed the same. They were a source of comfort and zen, which is a rare thing in life these days especially. It didn't take long until I found the corner where the pinball machines were kept. One after the other were my favorite four machines of all time, the ones that had taken me the longest to master as a child and often brought me the most comfort. There was Theater of Magic with its sultry sorceress gesturing me closer with an outstretched palm, Monster Bash with its motley crew of musical monsters inviting me to rock, the Twilight Zone luring me into a middle ground between light and shadow, and finally there stood Medieval Madness calling upon me to save an ancient kingdom. I pulled a couple quarters out of my pocket and headed for a theater of magic. An impromptu date with the first woman I'd ever fantasized about as a kid sounded like the perfect way to kill some time. Hey, don't judge me man. At least it wasn't the succubus from the original Dungeons and Dragons monster manual. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, 
which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Just before I slid the silver in her slot, I saw something out of the corner of my left eye that I hadn't seen initially. Positioned into a corner was a pinball machine I'd never seen before, which was odd because there wasn't one in existence I'd never played. I'd even taken vacations to other countries just to play new or rare machines. The machine was called Madame Marilyn's Occult Pinball. On the back glass was a window with a functional little female fortune teller inside of it. Mechanical inserts into pinball machines were nothing new of course, but they were always a treat to behold. With my mind made up, I slipped my silver in the slot and tossed my extra quarters on the apron. I pulled back the plunger, took a deep breath, and released it. As my ball was launched to the center of the playfield, the song Pinball Wizard by The Who. I laughed so hard that I wasn't paying attention and my ball hit the first drain. Normally I'd be pissed to lose the first ball so quickly, but this machine had an autosave so the ball was sent back to the plunger instead. I hit the change machine a time or two and probably went through $20 in quarters easily before getting the hang of the game. If you've played pinball before, I don't need to explain in any real detail how they work. You hit bumpers, knock down drop targets, ride the subways and habit trails, and pay attention to the special mission, all while avoiding the drain and gobble holes. If you'd never played one before, I'd have to question what you've been doing with your life. This machine had more missions than I'd seen in a pinball machine before in my life. The skill shots alone had me sweating so hard I'd missed more shots than I'd care to admit. I'd been there from morning till sundown by the time I'd finally hit the wizard level of the machine. Not all machines had them of course, but it was always a pleasant surprise when they did. A wizard level in a pinball machine was akin to a secret final stage in a normal video game, but a million times more difficult. To beat any wizard level of a machine puts you in a league all on your own. I'd beaten them all, and I'd be damned if I didn't beat this one too. It took me an extra 30 minutes of the most anxiety-inducing game of my life before I beat it. I was in the zone, becoming one with the machine when it happened. The music started to glitch and turn to static, the lights flickered in a strange entrancing pattern, and the mechanical fortune teller built on the back glass began to move. A sultry voice came through the speakers over the static. Congratulations, Jerry. You have bested me. I shall now grant thee thy heart's desire. To say I was stunned is an understatement. I know what you're thinking. How does this machine know my name, right? Yeah, that thought occurred to me in the moment too. I'm old enough to have seen every movie you can think of that should have told me right then and there that it was time to get the hell out of Dodge. On the other hand, I've always been a kind of curious guy. In the end, I blurted out the first thing that came to my mind. I'm, honestly, it, it was more of a nervous joke, but how many times would I get to relive one of my favorite cinematic moments, right? I want to be big, I shouted out, probably a little too loudly. It was a line from my favorite Tom Hanks movie, and it felt super relevant in the moment. Your wish will be granted, Madame Marilyn replied profoundly. Madame Marilyn reset itself and my name popped up in the top position of the scoreboard, replacing someone by the name of Arthur. Some kid probably, but I didn't really care to dwell on it. I went home and passed out, dead to the world. When I woke up, it was still dark outside. Every inch of my body was throbbing in pain. It took me the better part of ten minutes just to sit up in bed and turn my lamp on. I was met with the most terrifying image I had ever witnessed. 
my bones appear to be somehow lengthening before my eyes, grotesquely stretching my skin in all directions. I screamed out in pain but didn't move out of fear that I would split myself wide open. Joints shifted and popped as every part of me was dislocated and shifted to a new position. Outside of a werewolf movie, this just wasn't possible. I could feel my organs moving around inside, suddenly untethered from their previous location. Vomit and bile didn't eject from my mouth as much as it just sort of oozed out in sticky strings. My vision blurred completely, and the sutures of my skull began to pulse wildly. I passed out from the pain when I felt a quadricep muscle snap like a guitar string that had been wound too tight. When I woke once more, I flinched at the bright fluorescent hospital lights. According to my nurse, I had been out for nearly a week. She assured me that they had done everything possible to help me, but there was only so much they could do with what was left. In my drugged up confusion, I had no idea what she meant. At first. At least until she brought in a mirror to show me my reflection. My initial reaction was to laugh. I'd seen trick mirrors like this at the Halloween stores in years past that showed you some horrible monster with your face on it. A quick glance at the nurse's horrified visage knocked that thought out of my brain and I began sobbing inconsolably. What looked back at me from the mirror was some fucked up cross between Frankenstein's monster and the guy that got turned into the walrus in that movie Tusk. <laughs> my flesh had more stitching and staples than a local craft store. My lower torso was gone for the most part, and large portions of my upper torso looked more like mangled corpse parts than my own. That was eight months ago. It was the first time I've told anyone what happened that day. Until now, everyone thought it was a home invasion gone wrong. It, it was a leading police theory that I just went with at some point. Because who would honestly believe the truth at this point? What weirds me out is that it, out of every part I lost or got put back together, my fingers were mostly untouched. A little longer, sure, but they were the only things that didn't have to be somewhat rebuilt and reattached or discarded altogether like other things were. On the bright side, I can still play pinball for the most part. My insurance covered one of those electric lift wheelchairs so I can adjust my height if needed. I've been playing more than usual this last month. I hear there's a big tournament a couple towns over at some place called the, uh, the Corpus Arcade. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I hope you enjoyed The Real Pinball Wizard, as written by Raz T. Slasher and voiced by Ken Sampsell. Our second tale of the evening comes to us from author Scare in the Box and is performed by Chilling Tales for Dark Knight's newcomer, Justin Reynolds. In it, we'll get a glimpse of the distant future where everybody will live in peace as long as there is food. Now, without further ado, I present to you Silence at Humanity's Edge.
The creature turns to look as something moves in the water near it. By the look of its face, this would be a human male. Hollow cheeks and unsunken eyes accentuate the desperation of starvation. The uncut hair is thin and lank but floats on the water, making it appear fuller. His face seems wrong somehow. Warped slightly like staring into a mannequin's eyes in search of humanity. The proportions are warped just enough to simultaneously make the face terrible and sad. The eyes might be brown, but it's hard to know in this place. Something nameless is off. There is no light to observe these creatures except what we bring with us in our minds. More creatures like him move through the water. They aren't human exactly. Not as humanity was back when it named itself humanity. But these odd creatures in the dark are what humanity has become. How they became is unknown to me, as are any details not visually apparent. Do they live on Earth, or some distant world that humanity traveled to in hopes of saving itself? Those answers exist somewhere, but not here. To look upon these sad creatures swimming in a slowly decomposing structure at the bottom of the ocean brings me only sadness. I truly do not know, nor do they, I believe, how humanity came to this place. The male turns and swims away from the new arrivals. He propels himself down a metal hallway. His body is hard to make out in the dark, but it is shaped more like an octopus than a biped. Tentacles jab out at the water as he swims near the hallway's ceiling. Above, the ocean presses down with a pressure that would kill the odd humanoid creatures within. Neither the male nor the two females he swims toward ever consider this impending doom pressing down over their heads. They do not wince when the metal groans or wonder how long their home will last. Human society tends to see the current state of being as the true one that will last forever. The ancient Romans made this mistake, colonial Europe made this mistake, and the USA made it. It is human nature to see the present as an eternal expanse, but it isn't. It never was, and never will be. Life is a flux, and forgetting can lead to unexpected changes. I believe that the new humanity is evidence of how refusing to believe in change can be the downfall of society. This new humanity isn't capable of making such a mistake. Though their faces and heads may resemble twisted humans, they live blindly in a world built for them by past societies. They do not know who created the biomechanical bodies, a mix of flesh and metal, that carry their human heads around their ocean city. They don't think to question why they don't have gills like fish, nor do they need to breathe like mammals. They do not know these things because their brains are no longer capable of higher thought. They cannot speak, though sometimes their blind eyes seem to seek each other in the endless dark they live in. They eat, they swim, they sleep, and perhaps they dream. Let us walk the corridors of this place. The last stand for humanity. This is the silent place, the edge of the universe, where humanity's last descendants dwell. Following the three we first witnessed, who now group together in the dark along the ceiling, 
Perhaps some sense will be made of this dank world. The two women cling close together. Their warped faces are similar to each other, as if they are sisters or mother and child. The man seems protective of them, some urge left over from earlier times when true family units existed. They have turned to each other for comfort, but none of them knows how to provide the comfort needed. Instead, they swim together, calmed slightly by the presence of someone known in the dark, nothing around them. The corridors twist in a seemingly endless maze with large rooms in which the humanoids congregate, hands touching each other. Each hovers near the ceiling, leaving the floor empty. They seem to be endlessly searching for something that they never recognize, even if found. They are hungry, but know that the food will not be here. It was never in the hallways. That is not what they search for, not at first. There is a vague awareness of this possibility of escape among the inhabitants. However, none of them will find their way out into the crushing arms of the ocean, or no more than they already did. At the beginning of this famine, a few of their kind found their way out of the compound. Even I don't know what became of those few. Perhaps they were lucky. Perhaps they found a new home. More likely, the ocean slowly crushed the life from them, and now they are bones on the ocean floor. Then there are wider rooms, vast caverns of water and scum building up on the metal walls and floor. Here, instinctually, they knew, is where sustenance should be. Some, like our two females, drift against the slick ceiling and suck at tubes descending from the flat surface. They suck and suck, making frustrated movements with their tentacles. They come away dissatisfied. Once the food came from these tubes, whatever race built this fortress was gone. No one exists to repair it, and slowly, systems break down. The tubes dried out one at a time until most only retained a vague flavor of food, and others gave nothing at all. Many have not been fed in days. The few spouts that still give food have become war zones. The larger rooms were the feeding chambers, but since the food stopped, they were dangerous places to be. The man and the two females swim through quickly after failing to find food. There are tiny flecks of food in the water, enough to tell them that one of the tubes is working. The male makes one attempt, only to be shoved back and feel the angry tentacle strike that serves as a warning to stay away. They cannot reach the working food tube, and something internal, an instinct of a remnant of a thought, tells them that to try would be a faster, nastier death. The two females link tentacles as we might hold hands, the larger one leading the smaller one. Before they have even swum away, fighting breaks out behind them. Frantic waves alert them to the excitement happening. The three swim away quickly, lashing their tentacles for speed. Sometimes after the fights, there are bodies to consume. This sustenance might buy them a little time or ensure that they become the next body sinking lifelessly down to the floor. 
The creatures fighting do not consider how senseless their killing is and struggle to survive. They cannot leave their structure or the ocean will kill them and no one is coming to restore order. The prize for being the last alive will be to starve slowly, alone in the silent dark. And then, when all are dead, eventually their structure will fail. And what remains of their bodies will disappear into the deep and feed the vast ocean. The man and the two females swim to a quiet room and settle in on a corner looking down at the floor below. Bones glimmer there, mixed with metal and technology that none of them understand. The women yawn, curling their tentacles around the man and snuggling against him. Their lips move as if they are speaking, but there is no sound to warble in the water. They sleep, after feeling at the tiny waves of water to see if anyone is coming, the man falls asleep too. They won't die, not right away, but in a day, a few days, a week at most, they will sleep a deeper sleep. Looking on, logically their past seem to be the wisest, the ones who fight strongest ones might live another month or two. They do not see the hopelessness of their plight, but I can. Fighting serves no purpose, so perhaps it is better to lie down than sleep in the silence at the end of humanity. I hope you enjoyed Silence at Humanity's Edge, as written by Scare in the Box and performed by Justin Reynolds. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host of the evening, Steve Taylor, and it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Chilling Tales for Dark Nights.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.